Ah, there we go, guys. So we have David, who is in Toronto. And Alex, where are you? I'm in Aurora, Illinois, which is 45 minutes west of Chicago, That's I think. What I was thinking you're in the Chicago area. Yeah. Okay. So um, we had just been started talking about uh, what we care about. And often when Westerners get involved with Western form, they wind up finding new things to care about. Like uh, uh, rebirth and reincarnation, magical powers, tulkus, uh, Dalai Lamas and Pachin Lamas and all this kind of stuff is a hierarchy. But if the uh, the Westerner is more interested in Tibet, uh, excuse me, um, Theravada Buddhism, then you'll have many of the same things, including the, uh, the lamas and the hierarchies and attainments and all of this kind of stuff, people to learn to care about. And one of the things that you had said just recently, which, I, which caught my attention specifically, and that is the only thing you care about now is the Dhamma. That's right. right. Yeah, right. pretty much. Well, it's specifically in the suttas that that's the part of the path that is not the label, but it's what we care about. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I'm getting at is, is that there is a sequence of events that happen in a person's mind over a short or a long period of time and when those things occur in the mind that is what brings us to the point of jumping in because that's the only thing we care about anymore the jumping in or the entering of the stream of the dhamma hmm. referred to as the soda pond and guess what most people don't understand what a soda pond on but they really want it hmm. they really care about it <laughs> which is a big catch-22 because, in fact, caring about being a soda pond is exactly opposite of caring about the Dhamma. Caring about the Dhamma actually is a, a, one of the features, one of the seven features, or the seven, one of the seven knowledges of the soda pond is that the only thing he cares about is the Dhamma. Enthusiastic, mm -hmm, eager. Sure. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And then there's another ingredient that uh, needs to be developed intentionally, and that is becoming delighted with the Dhamma. Oh, yeah. I'm absolutely delighted with it because that's, in fact, that's all you can see. Not only do you only care about the Dhamma and nothing else, but everything that you see is Dhamma. Mm. which is actually the definition of it anyway. Okay, the word Dhamma uh, can be actually translated as into the word thing. So the Buddha Dhamma then would be the Buddhist thing. And so uh, when we say the thing, like the universe, that's the thing. And the Dhammakai is a Pali word, Dhammakai, which means the full body of the Dhamma, 
And that would be what, if Christians understand the, defi the correct definition of God, that's it. The Dhammakai, the, the, big, the big kahuna. <laughs> the widget of widgets. So, uh, <clears throat> the whole point then about the, the teachings of the Buddha is, is that there is dissatisfaction. We are dissatisfied with things. What are we dissatisfied about? The things we care about. If, we're, if we don't care about something, then we don't find any satisfaction or dissatisfaction there. An example of that. You look out the window of your house and you see a car on fire. Right? And then you recognize that it's your car that's on fire. And now you start to care. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> car on fire, a little bit of caring. My car on fire, a whole lot of caring. Mm -hmm. I think it's really hard in this society to not care about anything, though. Well, you're taught to do that from diapers. The whole society is built upon how they, whatever media that it is, can control how you care about things. So they use language like you don't work, you don't eat to get you to care about having a job. I know about probably a billion out of seven billion people don't have a job. They work. I mean, they don't work and they eat just fine. Children in diapers, retired people, many, many millions of religious people one way or another. Probably the biggest group of all is politicians. They don't work. They just sit around and lie. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, I didn't vote today. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, that whole idea then is, is that our society tries to get us to care, but they mess it up quite a bit. Okay. They add some extra stuff to it. An example of that is, is that if you can get a little kid to care about their homework in the sense that they like to do the homework, then they'll do the homework and they'll get really good at doing homework and they'll go find other homework. But if you tell the kid he's got to do his homework and you leave out the ingredient that he's supposed to like doing his homework, and then the kid is forced into doing it, right? And so what, what, why do I have to do my homework, mommy? The answer to that is shut up and do your homework. Or maybe, oh, you do your homework now and you'll get a good grade, like a grade means something. And so we're taught to care about grades. For grades don't mean that much. The education sometimes is quite a lot, but the grade doesn't mean anything. Except that we care. And because we care, the grades mean everything. And so here's the, the way of practice. Actually, now you're beginning to understand the correct practice is, is to keep figuring out what it is that you're caring about, finding out why you care about it, and then bring that, uh, let us say, to a slow, easy halt. <laughs>
not a screaming, screeching halt, because the mind doesn't work that way. That in fact, the screeching halt, the screeching is all about the fact that now you care about stopping the caring. Domerado? Yes. You said that we need to figure out why we care? Well, I'm about to get into that. <clears throat> there are four, four modes of clinging, four modes of caring. These four modes of caring, for some strange in incidents, the Buddha calls these also underlying tendencies. Hmm. And the underlying tendency sounds like the Buddha's definition of the English language word that we use is instinct and imprinting. Okay, so basically what we're saying is, is that the human being has a frontal cortex, a big thinking machine that we don't use very much. Let it all go automatic. Where a lot of the caring and all the rules and everything like that are stored. Okay. You probably heard the phrase that we only use uh, about 10% of the brain. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The reality is, is that many times we use the entire brain but we only use it about 10% of the time. Most of the time, we're on an automatic pilot. Okay. The automatic pilot then is uh, the instinct, an instinctive way of doing things. Now, the, the instincts, when we're born, the instincts are fully functional. Babies will imprint. If you get a child early enough, then he will, then that child will imprint. You see stories about puppies following ducks, or maybe a uh, a baby animal out of the woods will follow uh, uh, some animal around the barnyard and imprint. So uh, this imprinting we do, which means that as babies we pick up stuff. We don't discriminate. We just pull it in, suck it all in. Whatever's there, we'll uh, remember it, store it away for later use. And that storing it away for later use is basically associated with the, um, the nesting instinct. The whole point about the nesting instinct or the herding instinct is, is that we want to be around other people security. We don't feel comfortable when we're alone. Right? And that really happens when the lions are after us. That's why the gazelles and uh, all of those animals will herd together for safety and security. That's why primates live in a nest. Humans have families. The whole point about families and home and all of that kind of stuff is instinctual. So begin to recognize how you begin to care about that kind of stuff because you now have new choices. Then instead of saying, oh, poor me, I don't have this, we can say, look at how much I care about that, which I don't have. Look how painful it is when I care about it. Okay, another one of the instincts is actually is listed as the procreation instinct, and I know because of the uh, the fact that Western society is so heavily Catholic, 
and Catholicism is so overly sexualized that when we hear about the procreation instinct, we immediately think about babies or uh, sex. To where procreation, the word means to collect and to hold. That oftentimes, man-woman relationships is about power. It's about caring. It's about clinging. But in fact, the power issue is easily seen in the cartoonist of our side, where you see a Neanderthal dressed in a bearskin. In his right hand, he's carrying a great big club. And in the other hand, his left hand, he's got a, a big handful of hair dragging a female Neanderthal with a bearskin uh, uh, dress into a cave. That's the whole thing. It's not sex, it's power. You knock the woman out and take her away because you feel powerful. She may be willing to go because now she's got someone to protect her. And so we do a lot of this stuff instinctually rather than doing it through correct thinking. So that's what the whole process of Anapanasati is, is to wake up out of our instinctual ways of doing things. Remember, sati, to wake up and look at what we're doing. Look at what we're caring about. Whatever you're thinking about, more than likely you care about it. So begin to evaluate that caring. Okay? And then we can change it into caring about something that's much more valuable, much really more important. But in fact, there is absolutely no material possession that you could possibly own that you need after death. After after you're dead, you really don't care. Maybe other than writing your will or whatever, but I mean, how about the hard drive and all of those files you haven't looked at for years? When you're dead, you really don't care about them. When, when you're alive, you want to back them up. <laughs> you want to save them. Maybe we need them, okay? So if we can introduce this point that life itself is the only thing that's really worth caring about. Because if you don't have life, there is nothing to care about. If you can get that. Okay? If you can get that, that's an important quality that the only thing really worth caring about is staying alive right now. Or another way of saying it is this breath. If you don't take this breath, you're going to die in about three minutes or so in great agony and suffering if you don't get that breath. Unless you don't care anymore. Really like maybe when you're really, really sick, full of pneumonia, then it's okay to die and you just kind of let it happen. Or maybe you're up there on the cross with Jesus, you know, and all hung out, can't breathe very well, so you just kind of stop breathing. But generally, we don't. Generally, we take a breath. It's done automatically. It's part of that um, uh, DNA or instinct that we continue to breathe, but we've gotten focused on the wrong things that are important. What is important is this breath. If you don't take it, you die. 
and yet we don't think about it at all. We're uh, off looking at other things that we think was important because we were taught that they were important childhood. The only real thing that's important is staying alive, taking that next breath. So here's the fact then, why don't we start enjoying this breath? It's life-giving. Start paying attention to the breathing rather than paying attention to all of that other stuff that we once cared about don't anything. Just stay with what's happening right here, right now, is all we really care about. But if we start reminiscing in the past, we can find things to be afraid of. We can find things to get angry about. We can find all kinds of things that we care about, which will bring up negative emotions. So what we need to do instead is start putting the kind of thoughts that we have in our mind about what things are really worth caring about. Joy. Satisfaction. Taking a deep breath and enjoying that. Feeling safe, secure, comfortable. These are the things that are important. So if we particularly practice that way, then we naturally want to associate with people who also think in that direction. That if we have friends that are thinking about that, then they will help us come out of our caring and we help them come out of their caring until finally nobody cares anything about much of anything anymore. Happy friends. Nobody gives a flying rip. Oh, you like that one, right? Yes. Finally, we get to the point we just don't give a flying rip about anything. Except you'll still be around. Except this next breath. Except you'll still be around hundreds of people that do care about everything. But then you learn to not care about that. (laughs) That's a challenge, I think. Well, that's why it's good to practice on our own so that we can, in fact, gain something. This is the whole quality of seclusion. Mm. Okay. Let us say it this way. That you are born in a mud wallow. Like the pigs. We are born in a mental mud wallow. And, And what we need to do is occasionally maybe for the first time, is to come out of that mud wallow and clean up, clean the mind out. But then we go back into the mud wallow. Then we have to clean up again, over and over and over again until we recognize, hey, why don't I stay out of the mud wallow? Why do I deal that much with society? Let me deal with society as little as possible and let's go swimming where it's clean. Let's go hang out where it's clean. This is why we have the idea of the Sangha. Now, a lot of people just hear the word Sangha. They may not even know what it is, that in fact, Sangha is so missing in Western culture and Western Buddhism that we don't give it much uh, thought. And yet, within the actual teachings of the Buddha, the triple gem, Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha, that's the big kahuna. That's the big deal, all right? You only care about the uh, the Dhamma, you say, all right? 
So the only way that you can really care about the Dhamma is by being uh, around others who only care about the Dhamma and don't care about all of that stuff that causes suffering. This is the Sangha. It's, it's so important um, that we associate those who are, uh, let us say, of like mind. Tamarado? Yes. Is there, I mean, I think it's also, I'm not sure if this is what you were getting at, David, when you said, um, well, we live with, a, like, there are a bunch of people around us that do care a whole lot. And so there are, you know, for those of us that don't live in monasteries um, or are not living the monk life, Domerado, uh wouldn't you say that the seclusion is only necessary up until the point that you can return to that mud wallow um, and still remain clean. Oh. Oh, you're going to pick stuff up. Go into that mud wallow. You're not going to stay clean. So are you saying that there's no way to integrate back into society without without being influenced by or picking up others' attitudes or habits or actions? Yes. This is, in fact, the uh, uh, Jesus mentioned this with a very cute little phrase, being in the world but not of the world. But the more you're in the world, the more it's going to start rubbing off on you. Mm-hmm. And so um, you, you feel have choices, okay? It's actually, I use the word guilt by association. That whatever you associate with, you will become that. If you, if you hang out in a bar all day, probably a sports bar, you'll do two things. One, you'll drink, and two, you'll get really interested in sports. <laughs> if you hang out in a church all day, you'll get interested in what they're doing there at the church. If you hang out at a polling booth all day, you'll begin to think about polling, et cetera, et cetera. That whatever we, uh, whatever mud puddle we crawl into, we're going to get some of that mud. And so the Here's the point, though, is, is that we could become selective. We could use our wisdom to figure out who and what it is that's worthy of our time and attention. That's what we need to look at is, is that what is worthy of our attention rather than going back into the world, not of the world, keep doing that and find it we're back in the, in the world. We start getting dirty again. What is being of the world? What's the, what's the difference between the two? Caring about the world. You could be in the world, but don't care about it. And when I use the word world here, I'm specifically using the term for human society. Mm-hmm. Whatever society that you're in, okay? That uh, the planet Earth, the planet Earth is just fine without humans. When I talk about the world, I'm not talking about planet Earth. 
And in fact, planet Earth would probably be much better off without humans. Yeah. Humans have given the planet Earth quite a skin rash. <laughs> Though, also, we know that the Dhamma is accepting things as they are, right? So, it, who's to say that we can? We, I, I really do think we, ah, we can go into wait church. Minute, wait a minute, you got it, uh-huh. Joe. Let's go back to that point about accepting the things the way they are as opposed to caring about them being different than the way that they are. Yeah. So yeah. being uh, with the way, or being happy and satisfied and comfortable with the way things are means you don't care. Yeah, yeah. And what I'm suggesting is that we can integrate back into society with that not caringness, with that really, deep I'm acceptance. I think I'm that, skeptical of that. Being in society and not being not caring or. Yeah. So I just was out with my dad for dinner. Mm-hmm. He has dementia. Picked him up from the hospital. Mm-hmm. It's been quite a challenge uh dealing with my dad over the past six months because his condition has gotten worse and he becomes sometimes very argumentative stubborn aggressive very forgetful it will take him sometimes 10 minutes to say one sentence and i have learned that when i'm with him and i'm frustrated and upset it's not good for me and it's not good for him And even if I want to shorten up the amount of time that all that stuff is going on, well, that's also not good for me and not good for him because that's based on a whole bunch of caring and significance and not accepting things as they are. So what I've started to experiment with is just being my dad's friend and making fun out of everything just being friends just if he's taking a long time to get a sentence out sometimes it's like i'll I'll, I'll, was it this was it that is this what you meant you know i just try to we we're together we're a team rather than the son trying to get my dad to do something and that is an example right there that that yeah so what you're saying is, is that before you cared that your dad had Alzheimer's and you didn't want him to have it, but mm-hmm. he gets frustrated and upset because he's got it and he doesn't want to have it. So both of you are there caring about that Alzheimer's and his deterioration. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. you're beginning to not care so much that he's got it and just accepting him the way that he is. Yeah, and also and accepting that sometimes... You're going to both affect each other. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So he's going to start getting you to care while you are getting him to not care. Yeah. Which yeah. means that then you need to go after your encounters with him and go clean up. Go get back into seclusion. Yeah. For, okay, for so right now, but I... I, I I really there have been moments and I, if there's been moments where I can completely accept everything that's going on and I cannot care, there can be more moments of that. So I would say that um, when you remember when I remember. Yeah, right. 
You so my only remember. I want to make sure, Domorado, that we see it the same way. I, I I've heard in spiritual texts um, and, you know, I mean, I know you probably have a lot greater knowledge of the, the history of spiritual texts than I do. But I mean, Dan is a great example. Dan Goldfield, he is out in the world. He is uh, every day and he is completely unaffected by what is going on. He's completely unaffected. He is absolute, the, the deepest form of acceptance and peace I've encountered next to yourself. And so based on that, I know it's possible. I'm glad to hear that. Huh? I said, congratulations, or thank you for telling me that. I'm I'm glad to yeah. hear it. Now, yeah. here's the point that I'm trying to make for you. Yeah, go ahead. Is that uh, you're looking at it, or the way that you're sounding like that you're looking at it is a black and white. And I'm trying to get you to look at the process of grayness. Mm. Mm. Okay. That um, it will, if we, uh, even if both of you just dropped everything and dropped into whatever monastery that I would recommend or that you found or whatever like that, it's still not over yet. <laughs> but in fact, our society, there is some society, especially when other people come to, uh, to the temple. So the temple is not necessarily the only way out there is also the process of when we begin to care only about the dhamma and stop caring about this that and the other thing remember that it's this that and the other thing one after another one by one as they occur and when we ever get then the idea start caring about it in the sense of oh for sure, I don't care anymore. Within a couple of hours or maybe a day or two, something will come back up that gets you to care again. Instead of saying, oh, poor me, I'm not supposed to care, which now we're caring about our caring, you see. Mm-hmm. Right? So mm-hmm. whenever it comes up, because it's going to keep coming back up, if we go out into the world, if you sleep with the dogs, you're going to get fleas and ticks. Be very skilled at removing fleas and ticks. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can go out into the world and be relatively tick free. However, we still have to remember to look for the ticks and to remove them when they occasionally come. Yeah. That's the way that we have to do it. And and basically, well, the way that we would want to do it is get to the point that we're so skilled at this that when we feel a tick crawling on the hairs balancing above the skin, and there they are making a tiny little tickling sensation that is mostly what you would call subconscious for most people. But if you're paying attention to the ticks, then whenever he'd want, he doesn't even have to bite yet. He hasn't bitten yet. He hasn't gotten anywhere near getting uh, to bite you. He's still just getting on to you, and you know it, and you pull him off before he even bites. So and then you part. can get to a point where you can move your arm so that the tick misses it. Yes. Yes, precisely. That's the way of looking at it, that it is a process, but the more we practice correctly, then the better we get at it. This is a skill to be developed. 
when beginner students are uh, practicing on their own, either occasionally or very consistently, perhaps several times a day, when they go back into the world, they get dirty again. So they need to come back and clean up. So we get into the habit of, of cleaning up and cleaning up and cleaning up, and then we can take that habit of cleaning up when we're right there in the, in the uh, uh, blood wallet. But another and better way of looking at it is, is that not all of the mud wallow is the same everywhere. We can, in fact, watch our step. But that brings in the, uh, the analogy of the farmer going out to see his cows, which are all on the other side of the pasture. If he keeps his eye on those cows, he's going to be covered in cow pie by the time he gets there. So he has to look every step that he takes. So we use the pasture then as that mud wallow. Be careful about the mud wallow or be careful about the world because there are cow pies all over the place. On Reddit, people are complaining about each other and calling each other names and all of that kind of stuff. And so that would be a kind of place at all. A lot of cow pie in Reddit. Let's not go there. Or if we do, then if they insult us, we have to step out of the way. That's not me he's talking about. He's just talking about what he knows inside of his own mind, right? But the normal way that we live our society is, is that we care, and we care about what people think of us. And because we care about what people think of us, then we begin to suffer because they don't care about us the way we want them to care about us. We don't care about other people caring about us. That's one of those ticks. <laughs> yep. Yeah, to learn that's to it. not care about what other people care about. But that's going to happen one after another after another as they occur. Mm -hmm. Don't think that I can just walk out there and say, oh, well, I don't care anymore. Mm -hmm. Because we have to practice it. Right. All of that caring has been deeply, deeply embedded. That in fact, one of the next ones that we want to mention in that four items of the uh, modes of clinging. Yeah, what are the four? I didn't act yes. like I got instincts. Is that yes. one of them? Okay. Well, remember we talked about the nesting instinct. Going along mm -hmm. to get along. Do what you're told to do. Follow the rules. That's one instinct. Another mm -hmm. one is materialism. Collecting items. Collecting products. Defining ourselves by what we own. Knowing that everything that we do own is going to break. People as well. Right? We cling to people as possessions. She's mine. This is where jealousy comes from. Okay? So there's another instinct, and that is the territorial instinct. And dogs are very clever about their territorial instinct because they know where their territories are. They mark it with urine. Humans are not so smart. Because we will take any kind of ideas as a territory. <laughs> okay? Like Christianity, that's a, quite a territory there. 
Now, the whole point about the territorial is, is that it's actually kind of opposite and fits together with the nesting instinct. The territorial instinct is actually any and everything that's not in our nest. So what's in our nest is a set of rules we've got to follow, and what's outside of the nest is unknown and therefore probably dangerous. So people who, um, let us say, are uh, following a different sport team than I'm following is enough for us to fight over. Because it's dangerous for that guy to like the Phillies, and I like the Red Sox or whatever like that. Right, and so um, I never got into that. I I never could do it. That's one of the four modes of playing. I know sports, all kinds of things like that. Politics. So strange. So strange to me. As a territory. It's so strange. Is it? Is it strange to you guys? It's always been so strange to me. Yeah, yeah. Competitive sports. sports, Yeah. Yeah, and people will be like, "How you feeling? I'm I'm so sorry for your loss." Like, they'll it's like a game. It's I I feel like they know it's a game, but it's it's so real to them too. I just I just have never identified with like a team like that. The Sports game team. is a game. The score is real because that's what they care about. Score. Mm-hmm. And you see that in politics. Politics is also a game until they start caring about the score. Yeah. Because they're looking for power. Okay, so you can see how these four instincts, by the way, the power is back to that procreation instinct, to have the power to own something, to own the libs. You want to own things. You want to be in charge. Well, games, then, it would be a natural, ordinary way for young people to blow off the steam of their competitive nature. You don't want them actually out in the streets fighting with each other, so we give them a, a, a place to fight, an arena, that has a set of rules like tackling rules for football or boundary rules or uh, baseball rules, or if it's boxing, don't hit below the belt. They've all got rules in there because people will naturally gravitate with the more they care, the more likely they're going to get violent. I'm going to get some water. I'll be right back. Okay. So, David, if we, in fact, continue to recognize how we care about things, recognizing that we care about our beliefs, we care about our material possessions, we care about our little group of friends and society, Mm -hmm. and most importantly, number four, we care about ourselves. We really want to stay alive. That's the one thing that we do care about the most. This is what in uh, uh, in science is called the self-preservation instinct. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's, I think that's the last care we get we get rid of. Right. That's the big kahuna. The big kahuna is we care about ourselves. The self-preservation instinct. 
And here's the thing that's really amazing is, is that our society and the way that we live our lives and everything like that is, is that we often do not have any problem with the self-preservation instinct. You're not being chased. You don't have to hide most of the time. If you're out in the savannas, you could have be attacked at any moment. We got to be on our toes, so to speak. Is that the fourth one, Domrado? Ourself. Is that the fourth one? Yes. Okay. It's actually the big number one. That's the big kahuna. So you That'd... have materialism, you have the nesting instinct, and you have your belief system territory. And then the fourth one is the self-preservation instinct. And the mechanism of the self-preservation instinct, or let us say the communication method of it, is fear. Fear keeps us alive. If a child was born for some reason lacking the genes of fear or whatever, he'd probably be dead before he was 10 years old. He would clutch himself to death. He'd ride too fast on that bicycle over too big a cliff or something, hmm. right? And so it's our fear that has been keeping us alive. Wow. So we need that fear. But the problem with it is, is that it's got a lot of false positives. It goes, it sets off the alarm too often. You become afraid of things that are ideas and concepts, not real dangers. The things that we care about. In fact, if that goes bad, because I care, I feel threatened. And so the caring then is the mechanism that creates the idea of the self. What, wait, what's the mechanism that creates the idea of the self? You're caring. Mm -hmm. Or in the uh, uh, Paticca Samuppada or the dependent origination, the Buddha talks about it in the sense that it is the clinging because the clinging requires a clinger. The caring requires a carer as, we're, as well as that which we are carrying. So the carrier... That's the self, the one who cares. And if you don't care, there's no selfishness to it. Mm. It's interesting. This is so cool. I, I wanted to share. I had a, uh, actually, I had an insight today that um, whenever I get upset, being upset requires caring about something. Caring about something requires thinking about something. Without thinking, caring is a lost cause. Caring, it does not exist in its own right. It has no independent origin. It requires something else in order for it to exist. Mm -hmm. That is so freaking, that is so amazing to see because it's just like a simple math equation at that point. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, okay. Life minus caring equals happiness. Okay, no problem. <laughs> it's like if you don't care about anything, there's no fear. You're not fearing anything either. Yes, exactly. Fear can't exist without caring. It's dependent on it. <laughs> I think that's a really hard state to get to, to not care about anything, though. 
like well, not even yourself. Right. Look at wait a minute. Look at it. You just cared about doing it. Yeah. Did you catch that? You just cared about it. Yeah. So the value is. Say, oh yeah. Well, when a caring comes up, I don't care about it coming up. I'm just going to play with it like a toy and be finished with it. Mm. But this. Yeah. Is, but in fact, this is why Gawanka talks about it this way. He says, "When the mind wanders away from the breath." Never mind, start again. Why does he say that? Because the students don't never mind. They care that their mind <laughs> has wandered away from the breath. Yeah. Because they care about it. Now they're talking about, oh, why did my mind, oh, it's a monkey mind. Oh, I can't control this thing. Oh, poor me. And they go right down that rabbit hole of selfishness because they care. But if the, uh, the statement of when the mind wanders away from the breath, Never mind, don't care about it. Just come back to the breath. Never mind, don't care that the mind is wanting away. Just bring it back. It's sort of like when the horse escapes from the pasture or from the barn and we catch the horse. Do we beat the horse because it escaped? No, we want the horse to be happy to come back to the barn. Right? But here we are as humans, and when our own mind escapes, when we catch it, we beat the heck out of it. We punish ourselves. Why? Because we care too much that the mind wandered away. Have to stop caring. Yeah. All we have to do is recognize that we care about things, and then we can say, oh, well, I don't have to care about that right now. I think that's really that's good. It's really hard to do. In practice, in society, living in the world, I think. Huh. Never mind that you had the thought that that's hard. Let's just come back and say I don't care about it being hard. Yeah. Okay, so I'm catching you right here in the moment of looking at what you're what you're saying. Alex knows about this. We've gone through this before, haven't we, Alex? Right. Mm -hmm. Start nailing you down for the words that you're using. Mm -hmm. when, When the students are using words like hard, difficult, that's because they care too much. But think of it as a fun game to play. We've got a very interesting new toy to play with. Let's have fun with this thing. One sec, guys. This is my dad. So, David, you can go ahead and don't have to wait. Okay, yeah. Um, so, I'm wondering if I don't care, but if I'm trying to get to a state where I'm not caring anymore, I'm, I'm wondering. Know, like, I heard that anymore. Take that anymore off. That's off into the future. And so, right now, when I don't care. Right now, when I don't care. (laughs) 
that anymore is something that's added to by our society about trying to make things permanent, everlasting, mm-hmm. off into the future. Christianity does that. Like after you're dead, then you go to heaven and it's a long time. Or after you graduate from university, now you've got that diploma, you're a different person. No, that's not the case. Education is a continuing process. And so don't look for results for long term. Look for the results immediately right now. Mm-hmm. And, and stop worrying about the future. Don't care yeah. about the future. Only care that I don't care right now. I may care later, but I don't care that I care later. Right now, I don't care. Okay, one question. If I don't care anymore, do you think it's a good oh, idea to... Not anymore. I, we just went down uh, that rabbit hole. <laughs> right okay. now. Right now. <laughs> yeah, well, right now, I don't care. And okay. And? I won't. And... If you don't care right now, does that mean that some other time in the future, you can also not care then, too? I won't care in the future either. Yeah, I so if I, if I don't have to care now, then another time, I can. if I can catch it, if I can wake up to the caring, then I can put a stop to it then. Okay, so... I don't so, have to worry about the future. I've got the skill to do it now. Okay, so being in that state of never caring about anything ever again, in do you think it's a good idea? Do you think it's a good idea to sort of enter monastic life or sort of enter that at least temporarily or i would say the important quality is not the monastic life in fact the word monastic life is a very christian kind of word Mm. okay that a better way of talking about it is in fact monastic is we need to understand what the word bhikkhu means the bhikkhu doesn't necessarily mean a monastic or a monastic life, but that's a Western addition to it. Let us say that a, a, that a, a bhikkhu is one who has given himself permission to not do anything or care about anything anymore. Mm-hmm. So we could all be bhikkhus. Alex could be a bhikkhu, I could be a bhikkhu. Mm-hmm. Right. So the ordination robe is kind of, a uh, let us say, a red badge of don't caring. But you don't have to wear the the suit. In fact, uh, Mm. every Watt that I've ever been to has had some layperson or more living there. Mm. Uh, That's kind of what I feel called to. There was a community of about 40 Westerners who were staying at Watsu and Mok all together at the same time. So ordination is not necessary. What is necessary, back to the triple gem that we were talking about, the noble life, the sangha. We need to get a sangha going so that you guys can hang out with each other rather than hanging out with ordinary people so that you can correct each other and talk to each other in a noble kind of way. Now, if you can find people who have been doing that for 20 years. 
I do have some friends I talk to uh, about the Dharma and I, I go to different temples and on a weekend but like I said I feel like I really need to just dive right in like it's I it's just this calling I just feel Let me this, ask you a couple questions about that <laughs> here's a couple of questions about that I know what I know what you're thinking about uh okay here's the first question how many people live at that Tibetan center that you are talking about how many people actually live there um just the resident monk and his steward his steward yeah steward okay so is there a place on the floor for you there i don't think so for that one but there's a zen temple that has a residency and they do take people in there okay most of the zen because of the japanese there are some japanese in america but generally they don't have it the way that the theravada does but the theravada from Vietnam, Cambodian, Laos, Thailand, those four countries have literally four or five hundred watts in the United States, probably dozens in uh, Canada also. And that all of those watts have a senior monk. Some of the best monks in Thailand, for instance, wind up being the abbots of the Watts in the United States, partly because it's the Asian community who dis- who build the Wat and then invite the monks. And they know what they're looking for. They've been Buddhists their whole lives. They know what a good monk is, and so they know how to find good monks. And so I would recommend instead of doing the Zen and the Tibetan, I would look for what you can find in the Theravada tradition. There's probably more than one of them there and go beat the abbots. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there are some Theravada monasteries around. But I still don't fully hang out. The more likely it is that you can you can be invited to stay. Here's a little trick, by the way. Always wear white clothes when you go to the Watt. Because that shows that you're serious. You actually care enough about the Watt that you're dressing for it. Yeah, yeah. At the Sri Lankan temple, the, everyone wears white there. I wear white, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, the, uh, I, I have known several Sri Lankan monks, and all of them that I knew... I would highly recommend each one of them is a place, a person to go spend some time with. Mm. So, yeah, if you've got a uh, Sri Lankan Wat or a Thai Wat or uh, Ocean, whatever you can find. So the way to do it. I want to just go right to Thailand. (laughs) (laughs) You got your ticket yet? Uh, no, but it wouldn't be hard to get that. 
Well, as we speak right now, Robert is climbing on board an airplane in Mumbai to make his final destination to Bangkok. So he'll be in Bangkok uh, two o'clock this afternoon or so. Is he going to be staying with you, Domerado? Yeah, he's coming here to stay. Wow, that's awesome. And John just left, <laughs> and uh, uh, he's uh, doing a retreat. And uh, Eric is uh, has already found a mentor, and he's moved up to Buriram. In fact, did you see the? Uh, uh, he's actually already a salmon, and he's already in robes. Really? Hmm. And so now that COVID is uh, over, people are wanting to start to come to Thailand, and we've got so much here for them. Got what Suen Mok, a deep one, and Dom mm-hmm. and the International Dhamma Hermitage, and now we've got other doors opening for other places. But in fact, John just spent time at Wat uh, 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 Tum, which is only two kilometers from here. And he stayed with uh, uh, the monk. Uh, <laughs> the monk, monk's name is uh, uh, Pandit, which is the same name as Upandito. You've heard of the Burmese monk. So this is the same name in Thailand, Pandit, but it sounds like bandit. So he's known as bandit. <laughs> but his actual name is Pandit. So, uh, uh, yeah, I was really surprised that uh, uh, I told John what to do. And John went up there with his white clothes on and sitting and meditating. And within a few minutes of conversation, he's invited to come stay at the Wat. That's how it goes. Okay, so yeah, there's plenty of opportunities for you here. Uh, but all of those same opportunities should be available without you needing to come to Thailand for it. But if you want to come to Thailand, give me all your itinerary and everything and come hang out on my porch, General. So long as you just don't care much about the porch, you'll be okay. <laughs> that sounds excellent, actually. I don't, yeah, I mean, I really would like to live on a tropical island. <laughs> I'm sorry, what? I would love to live on a tropical island in the kingdom of Thailand. Yes, come. <laughs> Do you work right now, David? Yeah, I work full time. What do you do? I inspect fire alarm systems hmm. in Toronto. Hmm. And would you be able to? Do you have a vacation time that you could use? Um. Or would you just quit your job and go? (laughs) I would probably just quit. My general recommendation. (laughs) What's your recommendation, Domerato? To buy a one-way ticket. (laughs) Yeah. Because if you buy that right, you'll care about it. I heard the airlines actually they uh, ask for a return ticket when you're boarding, so you actually can't board with the one way. That's mm. not true for Thailand. Hmm. No. No. 
No. Ron <coughs> came on a one-way ticket. Eric came on a one-way ticket. Robert came on a one-way ticket. <laughs> it depends upon what country you're going to that they require a bound trip. Mm. I heard they it. do that on every plane. How hot is it there, Domerado? Uh, this is the uh, uh, rain season, so it's it's uh, somewhere between very comfortable to cool. Ooh, like 50, 60? No, we're talking about uh, comfortable is 90 and 85 <laughs> is getting cool. <laughs> getting cool to me is 50. <laughs> I think yeah. most of Thailand would freeze over if it was <laughs> 50 degrees here. I was going <laughs> to say, yeah. Ice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I would come see you, Domerado, but I don't have a passport, but I have three weeks. I have three weeks off work because I'm starting a new job, and I don't start until three weeks from now. Okay. But, well, why hmm. don't you spend that three weeks in becoming friends with your dad? And also oh, yeah. go hang out at whatever what. I mean, there's a lot of watts in your area, too. Are there? Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Uh, <laughs> in fact, uh, I don't know how long it would take or where you are, but in uh, Hinsdale. Oh, Hinsdale. There, there is a yeah. lot. Really? Yeah. And in fact, uh, Keyshawn has already been there. Get in touch with Keyshawn because he knows what the temples in Chicago, uh, in Chicago are like. In Hinsdale as well? Pardon? Hinsdale as well or just Chicago? Well, Hinsdale, as far as I'm concerned, is Chicago. It depends upon what kind of you know it, brain magnifying glass yeah. you've got. It's a suburb outside <laughs> of Chicago. remember that the whole United States is only this big on, <laughs> on the map. <laughs> well, I didn't know if you meant like the city or just like the general area. Well, I have been to what Damaram. So in I Hinsdale? And I, well, in Hinsdale, right. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. An old story, by the way. I was there on September the 11th, 2001, the day mm -hmm. the towers fell over. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wow. We had a meditation class that night, and, and the abbot of Adamo was having uh, a contentious discussion with a whole group of Chicago people mm. that were really overly caring about what happened in New York that day. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. They really, really cared. And I kept, you know, one of the things I said is, hey, New York is 500 miles from Chicago. Why don't you care about what's happening locally rather than thinking about something that happened 500 miles away? Yeah. That was hard for them to fathom. Why don't, and in fact, they were really questioning Verisac uh, Veridamo uh, about that. And when I walked into the room and took his side, that really took a lot of the pressure off of him. About hey guys, don't care about what happened in Chicago or in, in today. Care about what we're doing right now. Let's do some dhamma. Let's not get all freaked out because the airplanes and towers and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I would really like to go. Well. Yeah, I would like to go. I 
I, I have not been interested in until now. Okay. So you go to the Wat in Hinsdale and you come to uh, to Thailand and everything will work out just fine. Nothing to worry about. You stay there for a few days or is it an arrangement? Is there like a set time or you just as long as you'd like or how does it work? Uh, there actually is a video where we talked about that at great length. You can uh, find it on uh, okay. our, our channel because the video starts with ZM because it was the Zoom call to where mm-hmm. Robert and I gave a long, detailed explanation about how to waltz into a Western lot and take over the place. <laughs> the trick is, is to waltz in... <laughs> Be dressed, do what other people do. The best time to show up is on Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. <laughs> I suppose that's when most people will be there. Lunch. <laughs> so that's the best time to, uh, to show up. And uh, just show up and kind of fit in. If you don't know what to do, go into the meditation hall and just sit down and wait for somebody to come up and start talking to you. Pretty soon, you'll get to know people. Mm-hmm. hmm nobody cool. waltzes into a watt uh, completely uh, invisible. Mm-hmm. So if you waltz into the watt, everything will work out. Just don't want anything or care about anything, or you'll be fine. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, I see them as open invitations. It's it's almost like uh, ten thousand Airbnbs, and they're free. <laughs> really? Eh? Do you think they're Do you think they're all like openly would accept people? All these monasteries. The noble ones do, yeah. but in fact, if they don't accept you, you don't want to be there anyway. One hundred percent. Yeah. Because they don't, because they care. They don't mm-hmm. care. That's because they, they care. care. <laughs> yeah, don't go to the ones that care. Yeah, don't go. <laughs> but you have to go to find out. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the way to do it. And uh, maybe go two or three times. Once they see you a couple of three times, or if you're interested in meditation, talk to them. And one of the things for sure to do is to mention Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. The, the Thai language for his name is Puttatat. 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 Buddha Dasa with the B changed to a t- P and the T's Puttatat. are changed. So it's Puttatat. Puttatat. Mm. And they're, they're familiar with them? They're familiar with Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa? If, the, if the, uh, the people at the Wat, especially the abbot, is familiar with Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa, that's almost like the key to the door of that Wat. Just go in and use that. I mean, drop that name. <laughs> but you know that they are in Hinsdale, in the Hinsdale one? Yes. That, yeah. well, that, that Wat was actually built and supported by money from Wat Suen Mo. Mm. Was Wat Suen Mok the uh, the the Wat which Bhikkhu Buddhadasa originated from? Yes, right. mm. so that's the that's the Wat that was built for him by his parents. And, and, and... 
Yeah. Do we have? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Actually, no, not in the twenties and the thirties. I really find I resonate with that tradition, Buddhadasa, his lineage, and that you don't really find those temples in America. In, you know, you have to go to Asia, Thailand. No, not true. No, not at all. No. Wat Atamayata Rama in Seattle. Mm, I was just in Seattle. The other one is Wat Tai, Washington, D.C., in Washington, in, in uh, Silver Springs, Maryland. Those are Wats that are, uh, and as well as the one in Hinsdale in Chicago, dedicated to Vicky Dawson. I'm very lucky. Didn't no know doubt about it. Yes, there are, there are other Wats. I would say that in Fremont, California, where I was staying for a while, that I tried for sure, big fan of Bhikkhu Buddha Dasa. You're in Toronto, David? Yeah, that's right. Oh, so that'd be a little bit of a drive for you <laughs> if you end up. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that the way that they do it now, in fact, the idea is just say, uh, go to Google and just say watch or temples near you. Mm -hmm. And they'll bring them up for you. Well, that yeah, that's what I've done. That's what I've done. I haven't. Uh, they're still quite far out. Uh, the, the there's a Thai uh, temple. It's uh, in Ottawa. It's a few hundred kilometers away. Hmm. That's too far. I'm pretty sure that there's something in Toronto. Yeah, maybe, but I think it might be more for the local Thai people. That's Not. the whole point. That's, That's the what that you want to go to. <laughs> That's that's the place that you want to go because yes, they are cultural centers. The reason that the Thai people built those temples is because they were cultural centers where they can go eat real Thai food mm. and speak Thai language to monks. And so they've got some really good, high-quality monks. And all of those monks there are very happy for the Westerners to come in. Mm -hmm. hmm. But in fact, uh, uh, Scott uh, has been attending a Watt in, in California, someplace out in the middle. I don't know exactly where. Uh, but the abbot there already wants him to start teaching meditation class once a week. That's so amazing. I heard about that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So cool. Is he going to do it? Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, you're not, that's not something that they could pay you for, right? There's no money involved in that. You're right. We don't want any money involved. Right. We'll start we to don't care, care about it if there's money in it. <laughs> we don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Um, do we have do we have time for me to share a couple things, Domorado? All right, let's go ahead. Let's uh, uh, one thing I want to clear with David first, and then we'll do that. And the uh, let's do it, David. Sure. When when you're if you're really serious about coming to Thailand, start thinking about it and give me a call uh, later when you're uh, getting really close. When you're ready to push uh, buy that ticket, <laughs> give me a call right before you buy the ticket okay i'll do that thank you that's awesome david let, let me know how it goes that's that's really cool yeah 
Thanks. Good to meet you, man. Nice to meet you, Alex. So, Alex, what you got? Yeah. Um, okay, so what I've noticed, typically how it goes is I'll notice that there's caring about something, and then as soon as I remember or notice it, I'll have like a a, a mental dialogue of something like, oh, don't need to care about that anymore. Or, oh, what a relief. I don't have to care about that right now. Or, oh, I can just care about that later. And then I take, and that one's a really great one because it's like, uh, (laughs) I could just care later. (laughs) But it's like, it's so funny because it's like, I'm not really going to care about it later. If I was like, oh, I'll care about it later. (laughs) Um but I'll take a deep breath and I'm starting to notice like the, it not intellectually, but experientially the experience of enjoying the deep breath. There's just a vivid understanding that it's a, there's the deeper ease. You're settled into a deeper ease into the moment when you're just enjoying the breath. And then from there, I've started to like find delight in seeing things that I care about because then now we're like, we're like flipping the whole script. Now it's not like, it's like there's less negative. It's more like the, the, the negative stuff that I was excavating, the unwholesome stuff that I was excavating is becoming, is like getting swallowed up by the positive, by the, the wholesome. So now in seeing the caring, it's like, oh, that's great. Because in seeing the caring, I've returned to peace over and over and over again. Yes, yes. That's the whole point. When we see that caring. Yeah. We see that we care about our ideas. Or when we see we care about the wound. Or when we see we care about our stuff, or when we see we are afraid and care about me, we can see that stuff. We aha, I got it. Aha, I see you, Mara. That's the the word that the Buddha used. Not just yeah. oh, I see you, but aha, I see you. Yeah, I see you caring. And it's like it's like a pride. It's like a. It's a freedom to see all of this stuff going on because the in seeing it, you liberate yourself from it. Mm-hmm. It's yes. it's self liberating. That's the congratulation part is to recognize this is the freedom. Yes, I've got it. I'm successful. Yes. 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 Yeah. And the other thing that I've noticed is when it comes to like particularly sticky, caring things like my ex girlfriend. Um, when I have thoughts like, oh, I haven't checked my phone for a while, or oh, she hasn't texted me for a while, I wonder if this is it now. Like, maybe she's just letting me go and she's not telling me. I need to reach out. I need to get some kind of clarity and ask her, hey, it, are you thinking this is done? Because if this is done, I just want to know so that I have some kind of certainty. It was like, oh, there's the caring. Let's see the caring. And then yes, there's well, all you these... don't know whether it's over or not, and neither does she. Right, right. That's a, that's really good, actually. Yeah, that's really good. <laughs> You're right, right? Because we can't. We can't know. You're absolutely right. Um, 
But what I've noticed is that the feelings that come up from there, there'll be like a, re a residue, right? And so sometimes there'll be like this, this anxiety that stirs up or these fears that stir up. And then I just go to, oh, I don't care about that either. And then, oh, but I'm, but I'm caring anyway. I'm still caring. I'm still, oh, but I don't care about that either. Right. And, and it's, <laughs> it's amazing. You see the whole thing play out, the whole paranoia, the swirl of pain and upset and paranoia. And you just keep saying, I don't care. I don't care. There's nothing to care about, nothing to care about. There's nothing that can beat that. It's, it's, it's like it's insurpassable. As soon as you say, I don't care, oh, wow, what a relief. I don't have to care about this. That's it. <laughs> You've won the game. That is. Yeah. Yeah. The power so, of not caring. <laughs> yeah. And even if I come out of jhana for like a minute or something or an hour or whatever, it's still preferable to caring. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I stay in that direction, if I stay in that momentum of the stream of not caring at some point, I'm going to go a little faster, a little faster and a little faster and I'll be sailing. It'll be smooth at some point. It's got to happen because I'm surrounding myself with not caring, whereas before I was surrounding myself with caring. So it's inevitable that you're going to you're going to you're going to get you're going to hit your head on a rock or you're going to cut your toes, you know, in the stream. But if you are surrounding yourself with not caring, it's a whole other freedom. It's a whole other stream now. Congratulations, Crazy. Alex. You're getting it. Thanks. You're getting Thank it. Thank you. Good for you. Thank you, Dorado. Our talk last night was so profoundly helpful. I really appreciate it. Excellent. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and finish this conversation. I want to, again, congratulate you. You're getting it, Alex. Keep going with that. Thanks. Right, David, do you have any final things to say with this? Uh, I feel like when we, we don't care anymore, then we be basically become no one. Is that true? Right. You are what you care about. Right. So you, so like, when you're no one, I feel like what's the point of anything? Yes, exactly. <laughs> what's the point? <laughs> that way we can finally enjoy the fact that we're alive because life itself is pointless. But it is so marvelous to be alive. And then the things that we did care about just become like ornaments on a tree, mm -hmm. like just toys, just, ah, look at this. This is, it's a bonus. Everything else is a bonus. Not caring. That is, David, that's our, that's, that's, um, that's primary. That becomes our primary concern. <laughs> that becomes our primary caring, not caring. Not caring is truly caring, is truly caring for ourselves and the world. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that's the catch-22 with language that we have. Um, so uh, this is the way, then, that we're going to be practicing for this moment. Just don't care right now. Don't worry about the future. Don't yeah. Care right now. 
and have a lot of right nows. A lot of right nows. They have a whole lot of right nows. And and they stack up. (laughs) So, David, one of the things that you were talking about kind of led me into the word meaning, as in the meaning of life. Yeah. But this is actually something that is taught to us in our society right. that life has to, that your life has to have some meaning to it, mm. or uh, we have carings and expectations about how things are supposed to be, mm. and that's what. And and by the way, religions have a god as if that has meaning itself. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, is that whether God exists or not is meaningless because he doesn't show up. If he showed up, then it would, might matter. <laughs> but since he never, never shows up, it doesn't matter. So the whole point then is, is that we actually, in reality, have our own meaning. And that's the meaning is the things that we care about. If we stop caring about things, then life has no meaning at all. Mm. Or so let us say point, this, meaning is optional. So at that point, when nothing has meaning anymore, I'm wondering what's the... I, I, I don't see a reason to be in society then. That's my point. That's my right. predicament right now. It's, I don't Ooh. see a point. <laughs> I, that's why I just want to come to Thailand, because... This society, I don't see a point. (laughs) Go find a place where you can go and visit. There's just so much stuff here. I mean, this is the Thailand is the Disneyland of Buddhism. (laughs) Can I ask a question, David? Sure. Okay. Yeah. What What's the if you don't see a point in society? What is the point that you see in going to Thailand? Um. To get out of society. And but if, if you're getting out of society and going to Thailand, that's already accomplished. So what's the point in staying in Thailand? What's the point of staying in Thailand? Mm-hmm. Because you've got no place else to go and nothing else to do. Yeah, once you found a good place. See, the thing that we have is, is that both of you are ignorant of something about the life that happens in the watch. Mm, that's true. Okay. That both of you are ignorant about that. Absolutely. And that um, one of the things that happens when we're in society, that issue about the job. If you don't work, you don't eat. If you don't work, you don't have a place to live. If you don't work, your, your life is meaningless. If you don't work, uh, society has no value for you and you have no value for society. It's all about work, 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 gross national product, produce. That's what I got to get out of it. All right. Well, (laughs) you can find those kind of places within Sangha. And the Sangha would be the the Wats and and temples in in the West or in Thailand or in Cambodia or Laos. But the... uh, they're more set up for it in Thailand. That we actually have particular training monasteries for Westerners here in Thailand. But we all, if you're lucky, you're going to be uh, like, what happened to Eric? Give you an example. Eric went over to Deepabawan 
before the retreats were started. It was on one day and he got there three or four days, but what we did was we called Achan, Cha, uh, Achan Po's driver to find out when he was going to be there. And the guy says, oh, well, he's arriving on this particular day. And so Eric says, well, I'll arrive on that particular day too. Well, Achan Po just happened to have been bringing about 25 senior monks with him from Wat Suan Mo to Deepapawan. Oh. And Eric just happened, I mean, serendipity and all of that. And so here's Eric and 26 monks. <laughs> and one of them took a shine to him, took him back to Wat Suan Mo, and eventually took him up to Buriram. And now he's ordained. And that was starting in, I think, like May. So since May, all of that has happened to Eric. That's nice. I, yeah, that sounds I'm, good. I missed, I missed all that because my dad called again. It doesn't matter. We were just okay. talking about the fact that Eric was actually able to find a good teacher very quickly. He presented I, himself in such a way that mm. he got right in. Okay. That's awesome. That is so awesome. I was interested in what you were pointing to about our ignorance of monk life. Well, most of us have the idea of Christian monks. But the answer to that, let me give you a very quick answer. When I was living in West Greensboro, there was a, uh, uh, within about 50 or 60 miles was a Catholic monastery. And some reason or another, people would like to do the rounds. And so they go to that Catholic monastery. They learn all about what the uh, monks were doing there. And then they show up at White Greensboro, and they'd ask me, well, what do you do all day? What is your schedule? And my answer to that was, well, I do lunch. That's all the schedule. That's the only thing on the schedule is what? Isn't there like cleaning and stuff though too? Uh, yes, but it's not done on the schedule. I mean, the Catholic monks, yeah, they all go out and sweep together at the same time. Hmm. So at the Watts, they don't do that though? They don't have like structured cleaning schedules and... No, no. no, they don't have structured anything. The cleaning huh. is up to you and doing it regularly. <laughs> hmm. If you think something needs to be done at the Watt, you do it. Hmm. You're the one who cares. Nobody else cared. That's why it wasn't done. Sweeping is one in a forest Watt because the pathways get leaves piled up very quickly one two three days and the leaves are back enough leaves on the on the forest floor to hide snakes scorpions and all kinds of things that you might not want to step on walking barefoot do they have women in the what well washington moak has a whole mechi section probably let us say somewhere between 75 and 100 women are there There's at the hinsdale one pardon at the one in Hinsdale? Uh, probably not. <laughs> okay. Because any woman in America who wanted, who was a Thai person who wanted to ordain as a Meiji, she'd hot put it right back to Thailand. 
So you think it's probably pretty rare that you would find like an American woman at a Watt? Depends upon what Watt you go to. Mm. In, within Acha and Cha's tradition, they make special uh, uh, accommodations. An example of that is Amravati, that they have a huge number of, of women there, and that one woman has been ordained long enough, 20 years, that she's now the abbot of a, of a Watt for women only in California. Hmm. Wow. That's cool. So anyway, let's go ahead and finish this conversation and we can talk about this kind of stuff at a later time. But I want to congratulate you, Alex. You're beginning to see how caring is painful. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Damrado, I was wondering if you could just say quickly, you, you mentioned this earlier. You said that neither one of us know my ex or my ex and I, neither one of us know whether it's done or not. Yeah. My thinking was you said that because we just essentially can't tell the future. But right. was there something and she, else? And she doesn't that you, know her own heart yet. Neither yeah. do you know her heart. And, and you don't know your heart yet. You don't know where you stand with her. And she doesn't know where you stand. That's true. She stands with you. I'll and tell you, though. what the future is going to bring. Yeah, I'll tell you what though, you not know caring. Is that you care about it too much. <laughs> yeah, and not caring has allowed me to get more in touch with my heart. I would say, yeah, beautiful. Well, this is lovely. Okay, guys. Well, we'll see you. Okay. Thank you. Take All right. Care. Thanks, Samrado. Right. Thanks, David. Nice to meet Alex. Nice to meet okay. you too. Talk to you later. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.